0: Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on
1: Twitter at Braden Gall.
2: Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan.
1: My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can find me at thirty eight Godfrey on pretty much every social media thing that I'm on. There you have TikTok? it,
2: Billy.
0: Yeah, TikTok? You on the TikToker yet?
1: No, no, uh, no. <laughs> I know my limits. Yeah. Okay. They're going to ask for ID. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hey, people older than
0: me get their news from TikTok, so just, just keep that in mind. Um, all right, we got mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot to discuss on the show today. Florida has a new football coach. LSU has a new football coach. Oklahoma, a future member of the SEC, is now going to make arguably the most important hire in the history of its organization and will, f- and will be a future SEC football coach. All of those, of course, with the SEC championship game looming, that we've talked about for the better part of two and a half months, Alabama and Georgia. We'll get into some of the playoff rankings uh, if they mean anything to us. And then, of course, we'll look around the rest of the league because there are some great stories in this conference that are not going to be covered because of the coaching carousel and the SEC championship game and the playoffs. So we thought we'd give some love to them as well. Dari Noka is going to join us later on. And I'm not, you guys know Dari. He's a pretty calm, even-tempered, mild-mannered guy. Pretty jovial, pretty happy person. I've known him for a long time. This is the most spiciest version of darinoka that i've ever heard so i just want to say that very very spicy
2: we like spicy
0: so we're gonna hear i believe the word disgusting was used three times what in a 12 minute interview yeah i'm, I'm so confused here yeah yeah so about just- about what well, Oklahoma's his alma mater, so we'll... Oh, I didn't know that. I thought yeah. Dari was... Oh, okay. huge Oklahoma guy. You didn't know that? Oh, uh, right. yeah. I okay. Very spicy. So we'll talk to Dari at the end of the podcast. You're not going to want to miss that. You're going to love it. So before we do any of that, however, Fringe Element, Aaron Dugan, is presented to you for free by...
2: Um, Jaspers, are you the hungriest bear in the land? Come, Come to Jaspers... <laughs> And refill your honey pot. Wow. Okay. I
0: I, I think uh, there's a few honey pots in the SEC that are quite full right now. Mm -hmm. Uh free parking, great food, great happy hour. They do have a a discount right now on gift cards, 20% off. So if you spend a hundred dollars on a gift card, it only costs you eighty dollars. I'm not good at math, but I think that's right. And they'll give you a twenty-dollar gift card for yourself. So solving Christmas. Supply chain problems, Jaspers, free parking, great food and solving epidemics across the country. Go to Jaspers. We love Jaspers. All right. Let's start with Brian Kelly to LSU. We've talked a lot about LSU making a big move. How Hmm. many I guess my question is, Stephen, and I don't know how much you're allowed to say here, but how where was Brian Kelly on the list? Because it's a big it's a big move. It's a huge move. But, but what was the exact order, to the best of your knowledge, you believe, at LSU?
1: Was he third? Was he sixth? Was he second? Where, oh. Was he first? We mentioned um, his name. He was here. definitely not first. Yeah, and, and obviously, like we haven't had all the official pablum thrown at us yet. He was not first. I, I, I am very interested to see how aggressive LSU will be about the PR in this situation. If I was advising them, I would tell them maybe just move on from the pecking order or anything to do with this coach search process. This was a job that was open for roughly six weeks. They made the move to fire Ed Orgeron after a win over Florida specifically to, so they would avoid the dead cat bounce that we talked about of like, hey, suddenly he wins out. I mean, this guy went on to beat A&M, right? So they, they circumvent all of that by getting out in the market early. They reset the coaching market when they entered it and they got beat by the team that they thought that they had a leg over, which is USC before we even get to the rest of the landscape. Um, No, Brian Kelly was not first, second, or third. I think he was part of a secondary wave. A basically, um, I think they, I think they went back. They retreated for a second and retrenched and came up with a new set of, of plans. Um, Jimbo Fisher was number one, the entire time there was a, there is, and will be a debate after that on two, three, and four. I think Brian Kelly was part of a second wave. I think also what we're going to find out here in the next couple of weeks is that Brian Kelly inquired after multiple schools. I think Florida was probably included in that, and I know USC was. So that gives you an idea of where Brian Kelly was in his estimation of LSU. This is not to slight LSU, but I definitely feel like, you know, this was, Brian Kelly was ready to leave Notre Dame.
0: That, that, that I
1: think is the real story. Yeah. Is that he believes
0: that he had topped out at Notre Dame. I think most of us believe that he had topped out at Notre Dame and you can't get the same players at Notre Dame that you can get at Florida, LSU and USC.
1: Yeah. The conversation now really has to be for Notre Dame. It's pretty simple for Oklahoma. I think it's a little bit more complex and I think there's also a real dumb narrative emerging about Lincoln Riley being scared of something. That's not it. Um, As far as Notre Dame goes, this is a, this is a pretty aggressive period of self-evaluation. This is the winningest coach in program history that says a lot about this particular program. The one thing he won't have, obviously, is a national championship. And I think that's that's the crux. I think that's the fulcrum. Why is he leaving? I don't want to say on the eve of a playoff berth, but on the eve of a chance at a playoff berth, right? I mean, I've had yeah, that, people explain that's to me, the like, weird, that's the weird part. Is it's kind of sad five, for the sport. F- five days from now, you can make the playoff and you're leaving. We need like two things to happen, I think. If Brian Kelly was still the head coach. I think that you would have maybe two outcomes. I think Baylor beating Oklahoma state. And then honestly, I've seen simulations where that's it. Also Houston has a great chance of beating yeah. Cincinnati. I might add like this is Iowa. It, Iowa can beat Michigan. There, there's yes. Yes, absolutely. Aaron,
0: that's, let me, let me ask you this. Cause again, part of why Darius is spicy is how Lincoln Riley has handled this. And we, we get to speculate about how scared he is of the sec for fun. It's not necessarily a real thing. Uh, but it's hard to ignore that you, you went to USC instead of moving into the most financially stable and lucrative conference in the history of the world. Um, but I will say, what, what I will say is Brian Kelly leaving and Lincoln Riley leaving, is there a right way, like what's the right way to do this? Because recruiting for two and a half months for your new school, even if it's sort of like quiet and hush hush and not really overt, that's, that's obviously the not right, not right way to do it leaving before your team can make the playoff like Brian Kelly's doing is not the right way to do it. I, I don't know what, I don't know what the right way to do it is. is. Um,
2: I'm Yeah. I, I've thought about this a lot. I'm not really sure. There, it just makes me think about, and there's a lot of things that's timing with sports, whether it's, you know, the MLB draft coming for the college world series or whether it's coaches like, you know, leaving five days before they're potentially in a playoff. There's a lot of things that don't come at the advantage of the student athlete. And I would, I would venture to say both of those things I just mentioned are not really um, in favor of what's best for the student athlete. I don't necessarily know the answer to that question. (laughs) We know this doesn't work. This doesn't really work for anyone, for really anyone, except for the schools that want to be able to sit back and feel a little bit more security as they're ending the season. And they've got these donors on their ass about doing something. And so for them, Uh, making a move is, is the best thing, but for the coaches and the student athletes, I would venture to say it's not. So I, I don't know the answer to that. I will say before we move on from this, I, I do think don't love the way things went down with Brian Kelly, delivering this message to the team that didn't necessarily feel right, but for LSU, sorry, for LSU the
0: apologize to the audience, Aaron, not to me, <laughs> leave it in.
2: <laughs> well, I didn't know if you were cutting it out or not. Leave it in.
0: I, part of this is, is it not some of this part of this, our fault, the media, like when we get to the certain level, Hold on. when you get to a certain level, like our job is to get the story out as fast as possible. And that's why Brian Kelly has to text message his entire team.
2: Yeah, that's true. So maybe it is just how quickly messages are transmitted now, but when we're talking about, if we're not talking about the way Brian Kelly Deliver the message to the team. And we're not talking about the problems with coaching search or hiring timing. Brian Kelly, to me, for LSU may be a good thing because he understands what it's like to have to recruit kids um, that are dedicated to things not just sports related. He can get any, he can get really anyone he wants to get into LSU. So he's used to recruiting with a lot of things in his way like academically, just like we see with Vanderbilt and the SEC. And he is going to have to do a lot less work around. However, he's still, I think because he's able to recruit that caliber of kid, he's going to be able to avoid some of the behavioral issues that we've seen at LSU over the course of the last, uh, a while. Um, because I think he has the, has had to develop a very keen skill set to be able to get the kids he wants. And I think for that reason, he'll be able to avoid some of the behavioral issues.
1: Well, the funny thing about him is like, He's already been through the crucible on this at at Notre Dame. I mean, Prince Shimbo alone, the sexual assault allegations against Prince Shimbo. Like, I mean, this is not a clean resume coming in, which makes me kind of pause and think about a lot of the the talk LSU gave kind of quietly. Like there was a there's look Ed Orgeron does, you know, his hands aren't clean either. There was a concerted effort to paint him a particular way by the administration on his way out two months ago. Right. And now I'm thinking like, OK, well, you hired a guy who like you could do the exact same thing to him right now. I'm always fascinated when it's true, when the moral barometer is, is brought up for measurement and when it's sort of hidden away. Well, uh, we, we,
0: we mentioned the phrase selective moral outrage on the show last week about the state of Alabama getting rid of Brian Harson because of a vaccine mandate that none of them actually believe in, but that's neither here nor there. I, I, I think Aaron, to your point about the, the thing, I think he's leaving Notre Dame to get rid of all of that stuff. <laughs> like the, and I'm not suggesting,
2: I think the, he's just leaving to win.
0: That's what I'm saying. But the way yeah. you win above Notre Dame, cause it's a very small tier above where he's built Notre Dame. The very small tier is absolutely zero recruiting limitations whatsoever. And yeah. that is the difference. And again, I'm not suggesting you go out and recruit criminals. Don't don't give me that crap where people are like, "Oh, you're just suggesting Notre Dame should just recruit criminal." Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying don't kick a kid off off the football team and off campus for having possession of weed one time. That's like a Tuesday at Georgia. So like, let's just like let's not. Well, if it's Georgia, he's on a scooter trying to park with the weed. <laughs> right. No, that's at Missouri. Okay, that's at Missouri. <laughs>
2: Everyone's on scooters.
0: Uh, who was the quarter? Was it the quarterback at? Who's the quarterback? Was it who got arrested on a scooter? Was it Missouri or Oklahoma? Somebody
1: I'm telling so- you, dude, Georgia's had more traffic incidents from Athens PD than turn into like <laughs> felony, like not felony, like more like misdemeanor arrests of football players. It's it's like. The Mark Richter alone was ridiculous. I don't know if
2: they've ever seen themselves, but two linemen on a scooter is not discreet. And that's often <laughs> yeah, how it yeah, goes. Yeah. So if you not don't really want to get caught, there. don't ride yeah. two 350 pound guys on a scooter. The,
0: the six, seven guys standing up on the back wheel, just standing right up, just them.
2: grasping each other. I, I've, seen him,
0: I've seen him on the Vandy campus do that too. It's ridiculous. Um, but again, I think, so again, this is the question about LSU and Brian Kelly. Cause I think he's one of the best talent developers. I think he built, you know, he's clearly a great coach, even if he never smiles, which I love that LSU puts out a puts out their press release little tweet with all the images. And like, they didn't even try to find a picture of Brian Kelly smiling. It's just all frowns, which it I be a, it would be weird. It, I know that's what I'm saying. So they're, they're not going to love him because he's an acquired taste right away. But when he starts winning, it's going to be fine. The question I have is, is this, wow, recruit, is you said when
1: you didn't I, say it, if
0: I, I, the question is the recruiting stuff. The question is, it's the same thing we talked about. And we're going to talk about this with Billy Napier here. It's the same thing we need to talk about with Oklahoma. You have to have, you got to be a great developer. You got to be a great CEO. You have to manage a sprawling athletic department. You got to do the rubber chicken circuit. You got to build a great staff and replace great coaches. You got to, you know, have a good scheme. You got to do all this stuff. That's how you're a good coach in college football across the country. On top of that, you need to also recruit with Alabama when you're at these premier programs at this altitude in the SEC. So you have to do all that and recruit. And my question is, Brian Kelly's done a great job recruiting with those limitations. We just talked about at Notre Dame and building a program to the top of their abilities. The question is, can he recruit with Jimbo and Kirby and Nick? Because that's what you have to do at LSU. Cause I think he does have the ability to do all the other stuff. I think he's
1: totally capable of all the other stuff. There's a funny thing about like, Oh, I'm going to get an sec job and I'll just get some of them sec players. I'll just, I'll just get them. Not exactly how it works. champ. So you're, just you big, you're you in doubt. the sec. I'm, I'm, uh, let me break it down. Actually, let me do this. So there's 14 teams right now and not enough, quote unquote, SEC talented players to fill out 14 teams. There's about to be 16 teams and there's not enough to fill out 16 rosters. This is not like all of a sudden we handed you an automatic gain of five star recruits. We handed you the opportunity to land them. But we did not hand you the talent. Louisiana can be rated just as easily as it can be walled off in recruiting. We've seen both in my, and it's like, when I came into the industry, Saban had just started to fix a lot of the systemic problems there, but go back the previous 20 years. I mean, there's a reason why Warwick Dunn born and raised in Baton Rouge ends up at Florida state. That was the thing you did for decades was leave Louisiana. I'm not saying Brian Kelly's going to inspire that. I'm just saying none of this is a guarantee to the talent.
2: No, it's not necessarily. I mean, it does help. I think when you're in that top tier, I mean, when you're in the top tier of the SEC, I mean, there's, there's people that are guys that are making decisions of like, they would rather not go to Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, or what Tennessee has been the last several years. They'd rather go to the top of another conference. Um, So, but I do think that with the history that LSU has, he would have to, he's going to have to still try, but it definitely is a, a leg up.
0: Yeah, pe- yes. people, don't, people don't realize around the SEC and around the country that LSU was largely irrelevant from 1971 to Nick Saban. <laughs> they, were, they were basically yeah. completely irrelevant. And I believe that includes Peyton Manning and Ed Reed also leaving the area. Um, I, listen, I, I think the question is still the if, uh, to your point, we're, we've given him, he gets the opportunity to recruit in a bigger pond now. We'll find yes. out if he can do it. If he gets those players, is what I'm saying, if he gets those players, then I think they're absolutely. I think they're better than A and M because I think he's a better coach than Jimbo Fisher. So I, I,
1: I don't know. Is- I, I honestly don't even know how to like
0: what that means. The, well, um, the, the question is, can he recruit the same players as Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban and Kirby Smart? And that is what we are going to learn. If he can, yeah, then they are going to be fine and they are going to be competitive at that top level.
1: Apropos same- of nothing. Do y'all remember when Al Golden was Miami's head coach? <laughs> He had like at 1.9 players from the New Jersey area on the roster at Miami. This is me gently just throwing this out there. You don't want to bring your tag. When it comes to recruiting specifically, what I'm looking for after the introductory press conference is the hiring of at least two to three bangers, two to three dirt doing Southern born recruiting coaches. Because if you bring your philosophy of Notre Dame recruiting to LSU, it's not going to work. Your ass will be on a television desk in three years.
2: Can't disagree with that.
1: So Billy Napier,
0: (laughs) a Southern born recruiting gangster, right? Who Who uh, plans the
1: state for a while,
0: who plans every single day of his entire life to the minute.
1: This is, Uh,
0: Right. Like this, we, we said
1: Napier last week, clean hiring process. If you want to talk about that, I was going to um, say, I was going to say, yeah.
0: do you change your opinion on Scott Strickland knowing that they moved on Mullen and within a week
1: had, had Billy Napier locked up? Um, no, it's, it's about the same. This wasn't a heavy lift by any stretch. I think the job sells itself. I, I mean, I'm not against Scott. I just don't have him in that upper tier. Um, this is a, uh, This was easy. Honestly, this was easy based on the way the market was acting and the way LSU was acting. Florida was able to go in and get a guy that has all of the boxes that you check. I don't know exactly how this fits into the story of like you have the Spurrier era and the Meyer era, right? That's hard to say era. Um, And then you have this sort of like bottoming out of Florida football because of the mishire of Will Muschamp and then sort of the reestablishing of the identity throughout the different coaches I've, at my kindest to Dan Mullen, I would say he was—he provided a steadying effect of making the recruits that McIlwain brought in better. What we have to ask of Napier now then is to basically combine the best traits of McIlwain and Mullen. So you need to have the ability to recruit, the ability to develop, and then also the ability to scheme and execute. So all of those things as a process did not exist in one shape or form under the previous two coaches. And that's why you have the situation you do. A lot of coaches I talked to have said, "Hey, like, yes, the issues with with Mullen were definitely related to recruiting. The good news is this: there's very, very little in the way of ground lost by what's going on in the state. Okay, so yes, there's there's time. Yeah. You you're not that far behind, mainly because Florida State's been in a similar, probably a worse quagmire. Malaise. I, I mean, yeah, I guess malaise would imply a gentleness to it. It's been just, <laughs> you know." It's been bad for sure. And then Miami, I think, is in a total sort of like, what does it all mean moment as they see that Manny Diaz is not going to work out. So if you're Florida, that's all good news. The bad news is that Georgia is essentially Alabama, too. Yeah, Aaron,
0: um, Billy Napier is in Louisiana, I believe, 55 miles from Baton Rouge and clearly is interested in the LSU job. There was clearly a reset, like you said, Stephen, with Scott Woodward when they missed on the first couple of names. There was clearly like a pause, take a deep breath, reset. What's our next big board look like? He's also turned down, by all accounts, Auburn, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and South Carolina at one point or another over the last few seasons. To me, Billy Napier to Florida, especially because they play LSU every year and because he wanted the LSU job. By all accounts, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly,
2: allegedly, allegedly Uh,
0: to me, this is one of the juiciest, most SEC ish coaching hires. And because every step of the way, we're going to be able to relate it to like six other schools in the conference.
2: Yep. And you think that Florida LSU game is already stakes are high in tension. This just adds a whole another layer to that game day experience, which is kind of scary. Um, but I do think what will work in Billy Napier's favor is his ability, I think, because of what you were talking about, Braden, with how things are so planned out. He's so meticulous. He's so intentional um, that could help him to succeed quickly if he's going to. And at Florida, I do think that that is important. And also what Godfrey just said, that they're not that far behind. So with the way that he coaches and just his lifestyle and, you know, what he puts in place, I think that if they're going to be successful, we're going to see it pretty quick.
1: It's not a bad roster. I mean, neither school that we're talking about right now in terms of the SEC has a bad roster, right? I mean, LSU just beat Texas A&M. Florida beat a bad Florida state team. And I do think that like, I think Aaron talked about this on two, the two shows following the two losses to South Carolina and who else did Florida lose to that? They weren't supposed to Missouri yeah, Missouri. <laughs> Missouri on the two point conversion. Those very much looked like effort coordination scheme, yes. culture losses, right? No one, no one really looked and said, boy, Missouri, uh, they out them or anything like that. So you have really quality rosters here. So, I think changing, I think at Florida, changing culture will be the first order. I don't, LSU's a little harder to, to pick apart right now. I think Florida, they just have to bring in an attitude immediately, Here's, which you well, could do in a year. Florida was Correct. number two in the SEC, number 10 in the nation
0: in yards per play on offense this year. Mm-hmm. L- LSU had the largest defensive increase in efficiency in the entire conference by almost two full yards per play. They gave up 7.2. Three yards per play. Thanks a lot, Bo. Um, and they they went from 125 in the nation in defense to 50th in the nation in defense. So it's not about dudes. Yeah, Durante is not a bad coordinator. It's not about dudes necessarily. So um, and, and again, it, this, it it will be in the future, Aaron. I mean, but
2: think about the stark change too with these guys that are staying at Florida and the difference that they're going to have in terms of culture with Dan Mullen to honestly anyone. <laughs> Who do you, I mean, but
1: who do you trust more, Aaron, right now, to walk into a living room in Memphis or Atlanta, Billy Napier or Brian Kelly? I know my answer. I know my answer.
2: Billy Napier,
1: he, yeah, Houston, yes. Texas, <laughs> ding ding, panhandle ding. of Florida, middle of nowhere, South Georgia. You this name is where, it. this is he's been a, he's a SEC and Clemson lifer, with the exception of like a, a couple of stops. The dude was born in Cookville. Yeah, he grew up on he grew up on the on the line of the Tennessee, Georgia, which is like a particular kind of culture. I can say that because that's where my people are from. Um, <laughs> the dude can raise or lower his uh, his his southernness as as needed. OK, the best of us can southerners who have to go away and then come back. You, yep. It becomes a yep. volume. button. a lot <laughs> of you listening know what I'm talking about. I can sound very different if I need to.
2: Yeah, um,
1: y- y'all he will take your wife. So <laughs> there's a, I'm fascinated to see what some, some of these Brian Kelly, uh, conversation living room days are going to look like. I mean, this yeah. is just, wow.
0: Well, so I, <laughs> there are a few other coaching things here before we get to an actual football game in Atlanta, which may or may not be a football game. Um, which is a weird thing to say out loud when you're talking mm-hmm. about cr- the Crimson Tide, but it may not be I here. Here's, here's the question. Um, and it, I guess it's two things that we need to sort of discuss to wrap up here because Oklahoma, f- first of all, Texas, welcome to the SEC. You could have hired Lincoln, Riley, Brian Kelly, Billy Napier, but you went with Steve Sarkeesian. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Um, Oklahoma now with Joe Castiglione, one of the best athletic directors. If you want to call him a gangster, I'm assuming you agree with me on this, but he's like, yeah, a, nice, certified. But he's like a nice gangster. Um, no, no, he'll, he'll, he'll put you in the woods. <laughs> He'll, he'll bury the body where nobody yeah, will find it. Yeah, there are
1: no nice gangsters. So, yeah.
0: so Joe, Castigl- Joe C, one of the best ADs in, in the country. But this program has been largely running sort of pretty smoothly without having to make a fire or hire for more than two decades now. Yeah, It was bad in the 90s, but now it is entering the SEC where we have talked at nauseum about your ability to recruit. And Matt Campbell and Luke Fickle and all these other coaches are great coaches. But Oklahoma needs the same thing that LSU and Florida needed. Now that they're coming into this league and if they do not get that Oklahoma is going to end up being the sixth best team in the league or the fifth best team in the league or the fourth best team in the league if it, it, they need like Mario Cristobal and Mel Tucker the same names we were talking about are the only names that really work at Oklahoma in the SEC they'll be fine in the big 12 for a year or two but to me that I don't know what doesn't the rules for LSU and Florida still apply for now now they apply for Oklahoma right
1: for Um, yes,
0: yes. Um, so how do you find a good old Southern boy born in, born on the, the state line of Georgia and Tennessee? That's going to recruit like crazy and do it in Norman.
1: It's, it's possible. Um, I'm glad you're going in this direction and not the Lincoln Riley direction, because I think that's, we're getting more false narrative and, and knee jerk on that side of it for Oklahoma's future. I will say this since I, I was in high school when Bob Stoops got hired, I think. And so if you like, since I, again, I've been doing the job for 20 ish years and like Oklahoma has been nothing, if not a steady presence, we would all agree with that in, in short order in 36 hours, they showed, they've got just as much fine bomb in them as, as Tuscaloosa or Knoxville <laughs> or anybody else. You take away certainty and you take away confidence, and everyone acts like a dumbass. I mean, like, that's oh, there this it was. is what we're seeing now.
2: There was, there was, there, it is. <laughs> there was
1: the Southern. A little bit. It's a little bit. It's <laughs> the problem is I've lived here for so long. I'm starting to sound more Tennessee than I am my, my, where I'm from. And so it's like, it's, it's weird. It's we'll, smashed we'll, up. We'll have Corey Forrester on the show after Georgia loses this weekend and he'll, he'll bring us back oh,
2: to the Georgia norms. <laughs> just,
1: look, man, I'm just telling you like you gotta, there should be a PSA for if you're raising your kids in Nashville, because all the daycare teachers and preschool teachers are from like, you know, East of here. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble with your listeners here. Um, Yeah, you are. Uh, I'm are just we, saying my, one of my sons, care one of my sons sounds like he's from Johnson city. And I was like, how did that happen? Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> you got to get me back on here. I, yes, it's possible. It's absolutely possible. This is still t- top 10 program. It, it, absolutely. I will say this, what Lincoln saw is what a lot of us said in July, you, you gave up inarguably the easiest path to the playoff every year. You gave that up by coming here, by coming to the Southeastern Conference. The market is going to change now as you go out and look for a coach. okay? Because from the outside of Norman, what we saw was the truth, which was Texas is so poorly run for the better part of 20 years that you don't really have to worry about them in the same capacity as Oklahoma. You win the Big 12, you go undefeated, you have one loss. Every year, you basically have a step into winning a national title. right? And and you go okay. from norm, you go from that to this. <laughs> but that's still
0: are, gone. But are no closer to to winning the national championship than Notre Dame ever was. Um, I think they're closer than Notre Dame was. Well, but here's here here's the question. This this goes back to the SEC scared thing, and and I don't want to bring up that part of it necessarily. Uh, Aaron, if you are a competitor, and all of these head coaches are egomaniacal, sociopathic competitors, paranoid <laughs> schizophrenics, probably too. Yeah, I have Steven, You too. I have never heard a coach say, "Oh, but it's an easier path to the championship." I, I when you're at Vanderbilt, when you're at they don't say in public. Yes. you they definitely say in private. When you're at Vanderbilt, you schedule four wins in the non-conference because it's the best thing for your program, right? Like True. I get it. I, I understand that. That's that's a thing you should do. But no, I've never heard a coach be like. We just spent all all last week saying this is why Shane Beamer is going to stay at South Carolina because it's a tougher job, but he doesn't want to go to Virginia Tech because you can get players at South Carolina, get a huge buyout, and it's fine. Like I don't don't know a coach that's wired to be like, oh, I'd rather rather do less work and be easier.
1: Because we're talking about Shane Beamer, who may or may not have actually gone to serious consideration at Blacksburg, and we're talking about Virginia Tech. USC just declared that they're going to overhaul everything and spend like an SEC program. Basically, Lincoln and Riley essentially saw the the same potential in USC that he had at Oklahoma, win an easier conference, dominate with the most resources in the league, have the best recruiting advantage possible. Because when he was going through those Dallas high schools, the entire time he was head coach, they were the best brand. So how now he gets how to do that, that in Southern that,
0: California? How is that different from running away from the SEC? I
2: mean, I
1: it's just smarter.
0: I, like, I, I every,
2: honestly, I think it's smarter.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not denying what you're saying, but it is running away from the SEC. I, I, I hate
1: this. I hate this. Thing I, I'm about, with you. Like, oh, I'm with you. Shit. Like, no, it's dumb to go to the SEC right now and think that you're going to win 10 games every year.
2: Yeah, I think that you do. I think that this path makes more sense. It, it It's what I would have done, probably. Um, whether it's running or it just feels smarter, it's a better trajectory for your career. I mean, you're getting to build something back up for what Steven just said, they're pouring all of these resources into this program, like an insane amount. And then if you end up, you know, blowing it out of the water at USC and you get a better offer in the SEC later then maybe you take yeah. it, but I would have done the same thing. Plus it's, I mean, not to mention the weather. All well, yeah, uh,
0: all of yeah. your arguments, <laughs> all of your arguments are totally, totally accurate and fair. And I don't disagree with any of them. You're like the fourth, most important head coach in Los Angeles. And, and if you're cool with that, that's
1: fine. Nah, I know. No, sir. The Lakers head coach is more
0: important. The Lakers,
1: the Lakers and USC are a step above everything. And that includes a world championship Dodgers team from two years ago. That includes two NFL franchises that cancel each other out. Sean McVay is pretty big deal. Give it two years.
0: It's the NFL. Okay. 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 Let's, let's move on from, I don't, you know, the USC Lincoln Riley sec thing is to your point. I'm not a huge fan of the conversation, but it's hard to, it's hard to not talk about it without it being looking like I'd rather have an easier path, which to me is, I don't want to deal with that crap, and that is what it is. You guys are right. Okay, well, let me Let's put a bow less, on this. Less. Let me say
1: this. Okay. Let me put a bow on it. All right, easier all right. path is what we just described about Oklahoma and Notre Dame, except we also talked about the wall they run into after they get to the postseason. What you where USC is different than those situations is at USC they could outfit a team talented enough to beat Alabama, Georgia, etc. I agree. That is I the agree. difference.
0: Pete Carroll. Clemson.
1: It's Clemson. Pete it's Clemson. Carroll. Has
0: Notice that you can do that. I agree. All right, It's LA Clemson. There, done. Any, it's Clemson. Any other moves that we could anticipate, should anticipate domino-wise, Miami could come open. I would love to see Lane Kiffin at Miami. I love him in the SEC, but I think he's a perfect, I don't like the word fit as a, as a traditional sense in this conversation. I just think he would do a great job in, in that scenario and what that job entails at Miami, which is throw a rock and hit great players that could run a really awesome offense. You don't have to have sort of like 100,000 people in your stands to be very, very good at Miami. I, I think Lincoln would be great there. That would open up an old Miss job potentially. Mark Stoops, of course. You know, Notre Dame is open at, at the time of recording. You know, does Kirk Ferentz retire? We've talked about Iowa. Are there any other, real quickly, are there any other jobs in the SEC that fans should be concerned about being potentially open and or transitioning at some point during this offseason,
1: Those are the two big ones. Um, I, I I jokingly say this, but you never, you never count on Auburn to be stable or calm. I mean, like we, it's been such a crazy week. We're not yeah. even talking about the fact that Mike Bobo was fired. I think there's a, there's a situation <laughs> where Derek, Derek Mason came close, honestly, um, until honestly, until that defensive performance in the iron bowl. But um, those are the two that I would watch lane lane Kiffin. It's less about Miami than it is about lane Kiffin as, a, as all things are. That's... um <laughs> <laughs> there's NFL potential for him. Um, I think the next thing, the reason I can't answer this clearly, I'm not trying to be ob- like, like, like cloak and dagger. It's that I've never seen a cycle with more NFL interest in college. And so, because we average, it's usually, I think we average 5.75 NFL openings a cycle. So rounded up to six. One of those, if not more this time are going to take a college coach. And they're not, it's not like they're going to take a coach from the G5, you know, like they're going to take a big coach. And if that happens, we reset the cycle again. So that's why I'm hesitant to say like, oh, we're out of the, we're out of the woods here.
2: Uh, I, I'm trying to picture it. I mean, is, do you really think that, I don't know. I mean, I, it, I have it, a hard time picturing Lane Kiffin.
1: Oh, oh kind of. I, I, I did until I'm two years ago. Kind of. I did until two years ago. I'm going to be honest with you. The, remember what the NFL's identity is and it's aggressive copycat, right? Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, aren't they? Don't they still have the best record in the NFL? Uh, close. Yeah. Right. If I mean, not, the Falcons if if are so not, if bad, not they do. Dipped. If not they do, they're, they're close. Right. So they're looking for Cliff Kingsbury now. So Ryan, Ryan Day. and Mullins, the Lane offensive Kiffin. coordinator at Jacksonville. It's, I mean, you joke. <laughs> Lane well, the, like, and the bears you know,
0: job, the bears job could absolutely come open and they have Justin Fields sitting up there. So yes. If you're talking Ryan, Ryan, so, so if you're the talking names Ryan that, it, day, so.
1: so yeah. So the names that always come up are like Ryan day. I'm going to be honest with you. Jim Harbaugh's name never went away with, from NFL consideration. And if you've, I've done some of that, like I don't say I've done the research, like I'm a COVID truther, but when you talk to people in the industry, no one blames Jim Harbaugh for the way that the 49ers fell apart. That I guess had more to do with the front office. And so it's very, very likely that Jim Harbaugh would get an aggressive look again. Uh, so those two, I mean, those are two of the biggest jobs in the sport. And then I think in the SEC, Lane Kiffin does check a lot of those boxes. And honestly, lifestyle-wise, it's going to be better for him. <laughs> it's going to be better for him to be in the, to go you, to the have NFL. You seen, have you seen Cliff Kingsbury's house on draft day? Uh, Lane, is, L- Lane is now, yeah. the 2022 NFL is more suited for Lane. I'll put it that way. I'm trying to be nice and not get in trouble.
0: Fringe Element, a podcast about the SEC, is brought to you by.
2: It's been two seconds since I recorded the last ad. How am I supposed I, to think I like can't, this?
0: I can't leave this in.
2: I've been worked to the bone it's day and night. It never stops.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen you in person in six months. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Still been trying times.
0: <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Go to to Jaspers, by the way, because the reason this podcast exists is because Jaspers is our sponsor. So thank you, Jaspers.
2: Jaspers uh, flying the flag of food freedom far (laughs) above the town.
0: It's so awesome. I saw your face going with the alliteration. And I literally was going to, I literally in my head was saying, please say food freedom. <laughs> please really? Say. Yes. I was like, please say food freedom. And you did. And that's why I love working with you. Cause I knew you were going to do it. I was like, she's got that. She's flying the flag. There's food freedom right there in front of her. It's right there on the plate. Thank God served I up, did. Served up by Deb Paquette. It was just served up to you and you took it. And I'm so glad you did because damn it. Fly that food f- freedom flag. <laughs>
2: <laughs> fly the flag of food freedom at all, at all times.
0: <laughs> and the parking is free. Uh, there you go. Uh, Jaspers, by the way, here. Uh, solving Christmas supply chain problems. $100 gift card. Right now on sale for $80, so 20% off. You also get a $20 gift card for yourself. So you're getting like an extra $40 bucks if you go buy an, a gift card for somebody in, in your family. You don't have to worry about like how long is it going to ship or do they have enough supply or what's going to happen with the mail service. Like You don't have to worry about any of that. Just go to Jaspers. Get yourself a gift card. Give it to somebody you love. They'll have a great time. The food is amazing. They won't have to pay for parking. So the, all of the gift card goes right to the food. It doesn't go to any of the the parking, which is great. And uh, the food is is it's spectacular. The new chimichanga, the new flatbreads, new menu. They they're constantly evolving, and uh, we love Jasper's. So I
2: um already got your Christmas present, by the way.
0: You got me a Christmas present.
2: Yeah, you know oh, the, those like homemade coupon books you like made for your family when you were younger and you didn't have any money. You know what I'm talking about.
0: This is what you got me for Christmas?
2: I got you one and it's, it's full homemade... of Jasper's parking passes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Book.
2: They're all handmade okay, and
0: two two responses to this. Okay. Number one. Okay, that's funny. Number two, <laughs> thank God you didn't actually get me something because I haven't gotten anybody anything.
2: I am a I am a great gift giver, by the way. So if I got ever any, do you get you a present. For the wife? What'd you say?
0: Got any ideas? Oh, for the I wife? can
2: always help with that. I think it's because I lack um you know, verbal, I'm not good at verbal affirmation, as we've discussed before. It's not really my love language, so I have to make up for it.
0: Verbal affirmation is a really nice way of saying I'm an asshole (laughs) to people.
2: (laughs) Don't put words. Don't define me, Braden. Don't put me in a box. I don't want to put you in a box. Um, Um, That's completely true, though.
0: Go to Jasper's for a gift card and for food. My wife and I get each other like we'll like buy something we need. And then we both just like she literally I'm not even kidding about this. I'm taking her on a trip. She doesn't know where we're going. We're, we're going on a hiking trip out west. And no, uh, she
2: well, she didn't listen. There, man. She
0: doesn't listen, and uh, she doesn't know. <laughs> I didn't say where. Um, but we need like new hiking shoes, like to, for where we're going. And I went in and bought a pair, and picked out some. I was like, "Hey, what do you think about these?" And she was like, "Yeah, those are great." She goes, "What if we just like wrap those up after we use them and give them to each other for Christmas?" Because like they're not cheap, you know. They're like hundred fifty bucks a pair. And I and I was like, that's super romantic, honey. <laughs> like, okay. Super romantic. Okay. We just don't give very we just don't give gifts to each other for almost anything. Like anniversary, birthdays, like Christmas. Gifts. I you know, I'm not a big gift receiving, giving person in general. Like at Christmas time, go go give that money to a charity. I don't need it, you know.
2: Okay. Well, you so. I mean, now you just took away, now you just told everybody that my only love language doesn't matter. Go give it to a charity. So I don't know how learn, to Maybe you should with my learn some more. Family.
0: Maybe you need like one of those uh, cassette tapes that teaches you a new love language.
2: I do speak other ones, just not verbal affirmation okay. that well.
0: All right, go to Jasper's. Can you say something that's verbally affirming of Jasper's? Can you do that?
2: Ja- um, yes. Um, if you have not tried Jasper's new flatbreads, you're really doing something wrong because they're delicious and there's no reason you should be eating regular pizza from a regular pizza place instead of one of those flatbreads because you're really missing out.
0: That's, that's good. You, the verbal affirmation started with a verbal attack, but it yeah, came, but no, it, but it rounded into form and became right. verbal affirmation of the pizza. So
2: it's, it come, mine comes in it takes a little bit of deciphering for.
0: Like me. Brian Kelly, Aaron Dugan, an acquired taste. Go to Jasper's.
2: <laughs> I <laughs> cannot believe this.
0: All right. I guess let's talk about, uh, unless there's stuff you want to talk about from rivalry weekend. I mean, Florida got eligible. Auburn played valiantly. Tennessee had a really nice season. So we can get into some of these, some of these games. Mark Stoops put an absolute curb stomping on his arch rival um, and quietly had a nine win season. We'll get into some of this stuff, but real quickly the game itself and the rankings, Alabama falls from two to three with Michigan. I, I still think there's a path as we talked about earlier with Notre Dame. There's still, potentially lots of chaos across all these conference championship games. I think Oklahoma state and Cincinnati have the inside track. Should they win and Alabama loses a bad game? Um, But if Alabama is close and shows me that they are even with Georgia in some capacity, Mm -hmm. largely, it will be hard for me mentally, even if I don't want to see it, it's hard for me to say who's the top four team, who are the best four teams and not put Alabama in um if they play
1: a close game and lose the problem there is that the committee will fight like hell to avoid a one four and i don't know how you put them three no i i yeah that's the that's the real problem it's less about wh- if we have the fatigue and the two teams from the league and all that it's just like are you going to turn around and have them play each other again in in dallas or well, Miami, here, i guess here's what i would argue rematches, it's should close. Not, rematches should not be a factor that
0: is not a factor in ra- ranking four teams it's it's irrelevant whether or not they play. Now, here's what I like about Dar- it's irrelevant. Dar- and Dari's going to say this later, so I don't want to steal his thunder too much here. But I think it's brilliant. If you don't, if, if don't insult my intelligence and tell me that Cincinnati's a better football team than Alabama. But if you just say to me, Alabama had their chance, they lost twice. I don't want to see them in the playoff. Let's give Cincinnati a chance. That I'm okay with. Okay. Just be just be honest about what you want. Don't just reward them for having a great season reward Oklahoma state for having a great season, but don't tell me that you think they are better. I think Ohio state is a top four team right now.
2: But is isn't the parameters of the committee to pick the best four teams in the nation. That's what they're supposed to be doing. That's why they use all these different criteria. So yeah, I would, I mean, I would love to see, I would love to see Cincinnati get in because it's more fun, but I think they're dedicated to, I mean, I also know, it's TV. So I do think that the matchup thing matters. I think if it's a close game in the SEC championship, it'll be a lot easier for them. They're not going to want to put Alabama for either way. But if it's a nail biter, it would be easier to see a rematch, I guess. Um, but uh, their job is to pick the best four teams. So we start veering too astray from that. Are we going to have a problem? I don't know.
1: I was trying to think what the best football matchups possible were that are not boring. So I throw Alabama out because they are, they are a redundant program in terms of the playoff these last couple of years. And I also think, I don't think it's going to be close. Um, I don't either on Saturday, talk about on Saturday, not a I hypothetical one, four. Uh, so oh, here, here, let me do it for you. Ohio state four, Georgia one.
0: No. no, you're talking about best football matchup is Georgia, Ohio state and Michigan Bama. Those are the best. That's the best. Two Ugh, that's no, the best. God, you're you're no. talking about best teams. I'm no. not talking about entertainment value or whatever. It's, that's some Super League nonsense. Those are the best four teams. Now, if you take that out of the equation, because that's the best offense in America versus the best defense in America, and then you've got Michigan at Bama, which is great. Who matches up with Georgia the best? Oklahoma Nobody. State? The four, Nobody. The,
1: in the four, you're not going to get that. So I don't necessarily – I don't need to feel better about, the, about Ohio State losing yet another game. I'd rather see Oklahoma State in there. So, yeah, there's so, not going
2: to be a good game against Georgia yeah. until the championship. Maybe, Michigan, look, even Michigan
1: Cincinnati, Cincinnati could beat Michigan. I agree. I agree. I, I That's think, an agree. interesting game. I think Oklahoma state, Michigan is a good game. Yes, absolutely. Georgia I, Cincinnati, not so much, I, no. but Cincinnati can beat Michigan.
0: I, I talked to somebody in Vegas this week. Um, Ohio state would be a more than double-digit favorite over Cincinnati, more than a touchdown favorite over Oklahoma State and Notre Dame, and would be a slight underdog to Alabama. Just, just, well, for, no, what no, worth, just, just for what it's I'm worth. I'm
1: telling you now, based on the comments last night, and and thankfully that stupid program on Tuesday nights has actually yielded something newsworthy maybe for the first time, they are not putting a, a, a coachless Notre Dame team who didn't play in a conference championship game in the playoff. Oh, I they told you I that last night. If you were listening, they were telling you that. Yeah, They're not doing it. They're going to have to break some rules this year.
0: By the the time we sit down to record this next week, there's going to have to be some rule broken, whether that's a two-loss team, a non-champion, or a G5 team.
1: Houston beats Cincinnati, or sorry, Cincinnati beats Houston. That's a G5 rule State. That, that's never been broken before. Well, that's, it's not a, but it's not a rule against it. It's just, they've quietly manipulated it for years. That's I, the see, thing. There's
2: so many rules. There's so many things that they're taking into account. And it's done amongst a huge group of people from a bunch of different backgrounds. And we don't see it. It's yeah. like that on purpose so that we don't really know. So they can really do what they want. I mean, they hate
0: context. No, the, argu- the argument against Cincinnati. And again, I know you're pro Cincinnati. I would love to see them get a crack at it. Be careful Same. what you wish for, group of five. Be careful what you wish for. But here's Why? What I would- what's
1: the worst thing that can happen.
0: Well, no, just you get boat raced and, and nobody. Notre Dame
1: got Notre Dame got drug into the dirt.
0: Not last year. No one year.
1: says, well, that's it for Notre Dame.
0: Not last year. They played better against Alabama than anybody did. Um, he- here's what I would say uh, about Cincinnati. You-, you cannot make the argument that their quote unquote resume is deserving. Like you just can't. You can't do it. There's not, it's not a, you you can't physically make the the case for them. You you can say they had a great season. If Cincinnati
1: beats beats Notre Dame and goes to the 2 3 and beats Michigan, I never want to hear that again. Fair enough. Fair enough. Never want to hear it again. Boy, any any G5 team that's really good can beat
0: a Power Five team once. Oh, God. It's the pro. You know, this is true. You cannot. You, you, it is not the same. Seven or eight weeks. They in a screwed row.
1: UCF. They're not about the to. Sc- I, I'm convinced though they will find a way to screw Cincinnati if they can. I'm not convinced that Cincinnati winning gets them in. It, it's banned. I'm not
2: convinced. I'm. I i do not think there's any assurance for Cincinnati getting in Thank whatsoever.
1: Yes. I, I also agree. Houston's it's- a good team that's ranked in their stupid top twenty-five. I guarantee you. <laughs> I guarantee you that if they it's win stupid. by seven or nine or or three, it will be used against them.
0: Of course it will. Uh, Bama, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati for two spots. That's it. It's those three teams for two spots, and and that's it. Like the cleanest thing that they can do, where they don't have to explain anything to We're anybody. Really is counting Baylor is Cincinnati. I'm, I'm just saying, assuming wins. Assuming Michigan wins. Assuming Cincinnati wins. Assuming Oh Georgia wins. Assuming Oklahoma State wins, which is a lot of assumption. But if you assume those things, that are they're all six point favorites or greater, if they all win then it's those three teams for two spots. And the easiest thing for the committee to do is to go Cincinnati three, Oklahoma State four. They do not have to explain that to anybody. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain it to anybody.
1: The nicest thing about this, this conference championship weekend is that this is the probably the tightest I've ever seen. I feel very confident about Georgia and Alabama, but past that, yeah. like if you just looked at the whole slate, it's a very, very uncertain weekend, which does help the product overall. Like I, they, we, we usually get into these where Clemson's going to embarrass somebody in the ACC, Oklahoma's going to embarrass somebody in the big 12. We don't have that this year. No. Now we no, have no. two conferences in the ACC and the PAC 12 that are completely irrelevant, but, but even in the big 10, Iowa has better than a puncher's chance. They yeah. know how to beat Michigan and, and they match well defensively against, Absolutely, Michigan, but they, they match. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. Hassan Haskins. They know like Iowa is good at stopping that type of, yes, of, yes. of offense.
0: Yes, I've got Iowa plus the 10 and a half. Um, so it, what's interesting is that the certainty we're talking about here is Alabama losing. And yes. that, that's a strange thing, but I cannot – we've talked about this every single week, you guys, and Dari's going to agree with me on, uh, with us on this in just a minute, but like, I, I can't come up with – unless Bryce Young does something superhuman and Will Anderson does something superhuman, I cannot come up with a matchup in which Alabama is better – And wins individual like there's no chance their offensive line (laughs) or their running game without Brian Robinson is going to find success against Georgia, all the same problems that they've had all season are going to be a problem against Georgia and I think Georgia Mm -hmm. takes advantage of all of that I I don't know what else to say about the game which sucks because it should be a really great game hopefully probably won't be and that's just sort of a weird thing to say about Georgia and Alabama.
2: We, I mean, there's, we have no reason to believe that it's going to be close, especially with what we've seen out of Alabama's offensive line and their inability to pre- protect Bryce young really at all. Um, and the fact that they almost um, didn't score <laughs> like in this past, this past week, we you know, 59 minutes. So no reason to think that's going to be close, but as the stakes get higher, sometimes crazy things happen. I think this would be too crazy for it to be, it to be close. And I will say in reference to Alabama, just a side note. Um, if you feel like you've seen a change in what you think is a change in Nick Saban's attitude, I, a lot of people are talking about that, like, Oh, he's softer. Like he's excited even after beating Auburn close and normally He wouldn't be, I would venture to say that it's more Nick Saban, A, he's very adaptable, he understands how to manage people, and he continues to evolve to be the best coach possible. In this particular year with this particular team, it it wouldn't make sense to be the same Nick Saban that, you know, the drill master that he is a lot of the time only like he has to have some empathy here. And that's because Nick Saban expects, if he has the best team he expects to win, but he knows he does not have the best team in the country right now. And so what he's doing is when you see all these people beating, you know, beating from the outside Alabama fans that are just, you know, expecting best entertainment Nick Saban is kind of having that, you know, well, big sister mentality or big older sibling mentality where it's like, whoa, I can tell them that they're bad, but you can't. And he's kind of like shifted into this protective mm-hmm. factor because I think that he just expects the best out of them and they're not the best team. No,
0: no we, we, so we did not have a chance to talk about this last week. Cause it was a vac- it was a holiday week. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys had wonderful Thanksgivings by the way. Um, I, I, we, we, we sort of missed the Nick Saban rant at his radio show where he was, a, you know, verbally assaulting a fan base and getting applauded for it which is just absolutely hilarious to me but what that told me and and i said this on espn radio on saturday mornings i said that tells me he's scared when when nick saban is out there saying his team's not good enough all you do is write about how great they are rat poison rat poison rat poison which is what kirby smart's been serving up to his team all season when nick saban comes out and says you guys are too mean to my players. You guys aren't nice enough to my players. You self-absorbed fans aren't doing nice things for my players. That to me told me he was terrified of Auburn and Georgia.
3: I don't necessarily know that he's terrified.
2: I think he knows exactly where his team stands. And I think the best thing for his team was to take up for them at that point. Now, he said earlier in the season, we talked about this too, when he felt like his team, he didn't call individuals out, but he said, my guys need to be doing everything they need to be doing off the field, on the field, in the classroom. That was Nick Saban's way of saying, I don't feel like my guys are doing everything possible at that point in the season. I haven't heard him say that lately. And I don't think it's that he's scared. I think it's that he has If he's getting the players best right now, which it doesn't look like he is based on the Auburn matchup, but what is it going to do for him to also continue to beat his team into the ground? He's not going to get anything out of it. I I think
0: they, I think he is getting their best. I don't think their best is very good (laughs) because he's
2: not helping. Well, I know that's what I said. And then also what's, what's him continuing to beat them in the ground going to do when you haven't scored a point against Auburn, you might as well switch up and be like, go have fun at least and see what happens.
0: It's like the Vegas point spread. Nick Saban communication is always directed at his team and his players and recruits. Number one, no matter what he says, it's always directed at his team. And when you see a Vegas point spread that looks fishy and you're like, why is this team favored by eight points when they're unranked and they're on the road? Like Vegas is begging you to take the other team. What Nick Saban does is he is, it's always inverted. His communication is inverted towards his team. That's, that's how he talks to, he talks to his team through the press And whatever he's saying to us is actually the opposite of what he feels towards his team. And that's how I took that rant. And it turned out to be dead on right against Auburn. And I have a feeling it's going to be pretty brutal on Saturday against Georgia.
1: Um, If we hadn't seen the offensive issues that we have, I would believe in a scenario in which uh, Alabama is able to befuddle Stetson early enough to stay in the game and then maybe even force a change. Um, that scenario that we had k- kind of kicked around earlier in the season where, where Georgia has to go to number two and figure out is JT a better fit. And then that ends up limiting what they've done recently. And maybe just kind of jarring them loose a little bit. I, I would believe in all that. The problem is I don't believe in Alabama's ability to respond on offense right now. I don't, that's, I, agree. I, I can get all, I can get like halfway through there. And then I stop because I just, how, how are you going to score points?
0: I, they're not going to be able to run the football.
1: Right. Like, so like I'm like third and,
0: third and three is a Bryce young down.
1: Be clever as shit. Go for it. Do yeah. all the clever shit you can on offense and force turnovers. Give it hey, a, give him a short field. That's how confident I am in Georgia's defense right now. I just don't, I don't see you. I don't see you moving the ball. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah. I, I guess we can all hope. I, I guess personally, I hope that it's a close and entertaining game. Definitely. Just, just from a dramatic standpoint.
1: Yeah, of course. But,
0: but it is hard to,
1: I got Georgia minus the six. So <laughs> You I would know. take him at ten. I would take him at yeah, thirteen, would, maybe. Yeah, it's...
2: did y'all, did y'all see the 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 statistic? Alabama, Auburn, for a combined like thirty-two carries in the first half, ran for a combined negative five yards. Yikes! It's see,
1: horrible. that's what's. I, I I am being informed a lot by the iron ball on this, Aaron. But I just I, I I remember thinking in the third quarter, like, okay, place Georgia in this scenario. I oh, just my don't. God. Like, like, I oh just God. don't see Alabama being able to do this. Like it was such a, it was like a minimalist war. It was like, we're not, I'm not <laughs> going to give you any ground, but I'm not going to attempt to take it. And it worked. It, honestly, I think the defense was just gassed at the end because Alabama was running more plays. The Auburn defense basically, I think that last drive was a gassed secondary on Auburn's part and right. Alabama got lucky as hell.
0: I will yes. say I was Lots rooting so my five-year-old was sitting there and we were, I was like, she's like, well, who are we rooting for? And I'm like, well, neither one of these teams, but I'm rooting for Auburn because I like chaos and I want to see, you know, crazy stuff. I will say though, that the the sad crowd shots of the exact same 95 year or the 95 <laughs> sad faces of the same white girl. <laughs> like that was pretty, that was pretty, pretty good television. I got to admit I was rooting for Auburn, but that was some pretty good television when they'd cut to the
1: crowd it would just be like, <laughs>
2: Sad face television is sad
1: face TV. Do you think we're gonna have a it's future like people falling. Which, <laughs> do you think we're gonna have a future in which people are just not going to like want to go to games because of like the the 4K camera potential?
2: No, no I think people no, want to go to the games more because of that,
1: right? What's her, the, the LSU
0: girls like think about
2: the millennials? The yeah,
0: LSU, yeah, the LSU girls got a whole career now, like, yeah, of good just like her. looking
1: <laughs> up at the Skycam.
0: just it takes
2: one, off. then you're on TikTok, and,
1: and they all want to be they all want to be influencers. Every single human, I'm an idiot. I just I literally just discounted the the yeah. ideal path to stardom for most people.
0: Yep, doing nothing. What's the easiest path <laughs> for me to become Instagram
1: famous? Yeah.
0: Now they haven't. Now
2: they say that they have not seen their own face on a 4K camera, and I can say yes, that's different.
1: <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to see myself like that. Yeah, look at different. all these
0: filters I've got on TikTok that don't see exist every on. Poor. <laughs> horrible uh all right let's let's quickly hear I, I want to spend some time with this maybe in the offseason but i do want to congratulate some people in the sec and we'll wrap up before we hear from dari and that is there's just a lot of really good stories in this league and we don't we just spent 45 minutes talking about all the other drama the playoff and the coaching carousel and all that stuff takes such such oxygen out of the room but tennessee and josh heupel's first year went four and four that is the same as texas a&m and better than auburn lsu and uh, and um Florida, who all had losing records in the SEC. We can yada, yada, yada over a nine-win Kentucky season, which is an incredible... They finished second in the East, which this show told you was going to happen, and they won nine games. Mm -hmm. Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss won more regular season games than any time in the history of their program. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good stuff in this league that has nothing to do with the championship game, nothing to do with the playoff, and we can maybe spend some more time with it in the offseason, but I just want to make sure we point out there's a lot of good stuff in this league to enjoy that doesn't involve the top.
2: There is.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's just not where people care about, apparently. So it's, I mean,
0: we when we get past
2: this- all this, they will. Yeah, we'll have yes, to because there'll yes. be nothing else to care about. Yeah, it's so. a
1: nine-month offseason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to spend the entire offseason talking about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but- I, I do think some of this kind of bubbles up in the off season when you, you can kind of take a breath. And, and honestly, we have had a pretty titanic week of – Yeah, it's pretty, pretty big.
0: We can talk about quantum
2: physics too in the off season if you want. Yep,
1: let's do it. Aaron's a big quantum
0: quantum physics uh, person. Uh, Also, (laughs) last one here. I've talked to multiple Heisman voters, Stephen, and multiple people have asked me, is it okay if I have three defensive players on my ballot? And I said, yes. Prove it. There's a good chance I will have three defensive players on my ballot.
1: Prove it, dorks. Wow.
0: (laughs) I'm right here. I can hear you talking. I'm right
2: here. Prove it, dorks. Nicer than bar- most with, things I say to you.
1: Colin when they barf up some skill position player from a playoff team. I don't want to hear it. Jordan Addison doesn't count. Just telling you. Kenny Pickett doesn't
0: count.
2: Who would you pick, Godfrey?
0: CJ Stroud's not in the playoffs.
2: Just pick one.
0: <laughs> Jordan Davis.
1: <laughs> yep. I can't.
0: My, my problem with Jordan Davis, is like I I'm gonna do the though. most
1: contrary record store employee shit always <laughs> in this award. I hate it.
0: Top five breakup albums after your defensive player just, doesn't win the Heisman.
1: I don't. I don't want anything to do with this award. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh,
0: here's the, here's my problem. I with agree Jordan with Davis. Jordan
2: Davis.
0: Here's yeah. my problem with Jordan Davis is I can't tell if he's the best one on Georgia's team. <laughs>
2: like he's part of something. It, it I, needs to be a defender. It's. I mean, if, 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 if anyone wants anyone to a touchdown care about pass
1: this
0: on mesh this weekend. My top four on my ballot currently are four defensive players, and then Bryce Young is number five.
2: Who's number four Bryce Young would
0: Bryce Young would have to beat Georgia doing something spectacular to get on my ballot
2: I'm having trouble imagining who your fourth one would be but sorry it's, I'm it, you're boring me <laughs>
0: <it's>, wow
2: <laughs> yawning no I'm, you're not really it's
0: not hard to find listen voters if you're listening it is not hard to find three or four elite Heisman caliber defensive players three they're, yes they're st- no there's a fourth one they're staring you at the in the face they're staring you in the face it's not it's not hard I to
1: not happening. Uh, what
0: do you want me to do? Not campaign? I'm campaigning. What, don't poo poo the yeah. campaign.
1: I just don't care about this vote. <laughs> I'm trying I'm, it sucks all the good out of I'm college. I'm starting to fight. feel
2: like Godfrey doesn't really care about the husband, and I don't know why. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> just this weird. I I'm just vote a on gut, in, just a gut instinct girl, and I can just yeah, feel it.
1: You know, I like. <laughs> It's no different than the Nagurski yeah. or the Ray guy or any of this bullshit. Your, your intuition, Aaron, is really something else. I it's, mean, uh, don't test a, me. you get into the sausage factory on how these awards are actually like don't. how you actually win these awards. Here we go. It's
0: disgusting. I was about to go to Dari Noka.
1: And- go to Dari Noka. All right. Does he have a Heisman for- vote?
0: I'm assuming he does. Thank you guys for hanging out. And he probably takes it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And he's not a dork at all. When we come
1: They're back, all, you're
0: all dorks. When we come back, shut the <laughs> hell up, this is my show. When we come back, Dari Noca will join us.
2: Wow, you really just broke up all the team environment. Now the morale's shot. <laughs> Your show, God.
0: Dari, welcome to the show, man. Great to see you. Always a pleasure to have you on the program.
3: Good to be with you, dude. It's uh, It's always fun to talk a little football with you, man. So
0: we'll talk Heisman, we'll talk Oklahoma, we'll talk some of the unsung stories, which I think is what makes college football truly great. But we have to start, of course, with the playoff, and that includes Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship game. And this is not going to be a complex question, but seeing the issues that Alabama has had along its offensive line and the health issues it's had with its running game against Florida, A&M, LSU, Auburn, what makes you think that they will find an answer to Georgia's defensive front this weekend?
3: When you say what makes me think, you're assuming that I think that. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm having a very difficult time, Braden, thinking that Alabama has any legitimate chance to win this game. I, I think from a, from a talent standpoint, from, a, from an execution standpoint, I mean, we saw this team shoot itself in the foot a dozen, 15 times maybe between penalties, miscues on special teams, uh, lack of protecting Bryce Young. Uh, against Auburn, Georgia, ain't Auburn. And that defense I think is licking its chops. I think it wants to be what Alabama has always been. And and I think they're going to come out and we're going to see a a difference in, in a level of preparation and focus than we've seen from Georgia at any particular point in recent years uh, in big games. I, I don't expect this game to be particularly close, to be quite honest with you. I like Jordan, Georgia for, everything we've seen on the positive from them and all the concerning things we've seen from Alabama.
0: So I don't, I don't think that's an unusual stance or a take, but just, can you try, you've been around the game a long time. Can you try to put into perspective what 83 points in a season really is (laughs) like, like, it's not just that they're also the best offense in the SEC. They're number three in yards per play in the country on offense. Stetson Bennett's leading the world in yards per attempt. Can you try to put into like words and, and maybe some historical context as to what we're seeing from Georgia this, this year? I
3: mean, you know, like, so I, I grew up in Oklahoma and and, you know, as a young person, eight, nine, 10 years old, watching those 85, 86, 87 Sooner teams, the 6.9 yards a game they've allowed, Georgia is second only to Oklahoma in 86 at 6.8. And that was a Brian Bosworth led defense with incredible defensive uh uh uh, uh pass rush nobody could run the football against them. They had all Americans. And I think two of the four positions in the secondary, Um, it was nasty. I mean, it was the 86 Sooners were the college version of the 85 bears. And these 21 Bulldogs are right in that same conversation. So the level of frustration that they create for anybody offensively is something I have not seen probably in the last 30 years. I, I, I I'm, I'm flabbergasted every time I watch him. And the beauty of it is Braden, the way they work together as a unit, you know, everybody was like, Oh, Jordan Davis for Heisman. Well, yeah, I can't go Jordan Davis for Heisman. I, I think that that's silly. You know, realistically, if you wanted to, you could pick four or five Georgia guys and say, well, that might be the best defensive player in the country. That, that's how they, but then at the same time, you could say, but I don't even know if he's the best defensive player on his own team. So I've just, I've not seen a defense like this, in at least in my professional life covering this game
0: you, you mentioned the, the heisman i i, I am i'm am convinced that i'm probably going to have three defensive players on my ballot like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that's what i see this weekend from guys like will anderson and jordan davis and nicobe dean certainly agent aiden hutchinson at michigan belongs in that conversation as well um i i, I do think that that, that sort of two things can still be true, however, which is that Alabama ha- will, could lose this game and not be as good as Georgia, but still also be one of the four best teams in America. Uh, do, do, do you agree with that? Do you think that's how it's going to play out? There's going to be lots of chaos. We know that's sort of baked into the sport, but yeah. is, is it possible to be, and, and the committee's never put a two-loss team in. I got it. They've also never put a G5 team in. So it feels like this year we're going to break some rules.
3: So... Yeah, it, it, the playoff thing, I, I, can, I can never get comfortable in this conversation as, as, much, as, I, as much as I would like to. Um, if Alabama loses to Georgia, unless it's a situation where they had every opportunity to win and lost a close ball game, I don't, as a college football, as an SEC network person, I should say put Alabama in. As a college football fanatic, I don't really want them in. Uh, and I don't necessarily think they should be in. Uh, Braden, did my screen just get fuzzy? Here, let me clean that up. You, you. were okay. so you
0: were so worked up that you just yeah. spit all over the screen. Is that what
3: happened? Did I think, just, so. I I think went, so. It's incredible. Look, <laughs> like, I can't see myself anymore. Okay.
0: The, the accuracy is Stetson-like, Dari. That's what that <laughs> yeah. was.
3: And do me a favor. Don't cut this out. I want this in there. I want <laughs> people to see this passion, Braden. Okay. I don't really want to see Alabama in there if they lose a game that is not a game that they could have easily won. I just don't. I know you put them on a field against Cincinnati. Would they beat them? Probably. If you put them on a field against Oklahoma State, would they beat them? Probably. But I'll be honest with you, like, give me a big 12 champion Cowboys. Give me an undefeated Cincinnati. By the way, neither of which is going to have an easy road to win this weekend. So I look, if, if Cincinnati goes out and takes care of Houston, that's a good win. In my opinion, if Oklahoma State beats Baylor again, that's a good win in my opinion should not be ignored the day before the selections become official I don't necessarily feel a two-loss Bama needs to be in unless it's some kind of a football game in Atlanta that I'm not anticipating I
0: I think that's the right way to approach it is just sort of be honest about it and say look they're a very good team they're probably better than x y and z teams but like that's not what I want to see
3: (laughs) no and and like I think
0: that's okay I think that's an okay thing
3: to say and it it didn't help like You can't forget the performance they had on Saturday. In fairness, you can't forget Cincinnati's against Tulane and against Navy and against Tulsa. So I I get that too. Like you, it's all part of it, you know, or Notre Dame's, if you want to talk about Notre Dame's against Toledo. And, you know, they weren't always great. Florida State, you know, um,
0: round and round and round and
3: round. (laughs) It's the same conversation we have every year. No matter what the committee does, there will be angry people. There will be people that say they don't know what they were doing. I'm just going to give you my take. I'd like to see Oklahoma State. I'd like to see Cincinnati. I don't care to see Notre Dame. But I would like to see one of those two over a two-loss Alabama. Again, unless Saturday's game is unlike what I'm expecting.
0: We are taping this on Monday afternoon, so I guess there's a chance that that some other news breaks. But by and large, it looks like, You know, Shane Beamer at South Carolina, Josh Heupel's at at Tennessee. You know, we've got really good seasons from Sam Pittman in Arkansas. Lane Kiffin is is at Ole Miss with one of the best regular seasons in school history. And I think this year more than ever, Dari, we've seen what makes the SEC jobs so valuable. Not only are you acquiring players and talent, but these jobs are top 25 caliber jobs if you get the right guy doing the right thing. So they're they're great stories for, for college football fans that aren't just watching just the playoff games. But they're also it's also sort of an indicator as to why the middle and even bottom of the SEC is so coveted from a coaching standpoint.
3: Agreed. Uh, there's no doubt. And, and what those guys did too. you know, the coach of the year voting in this league is going to be fascinating. Doring and I were talking about it on the air on Friday, and I think he listed his top five and Lane Kiffin was five. I mean, that's and then you look at it and you just think to yourself, that's asinine like there's they're 10 and 2. They've never won 10 games in a regular season. You got him fifth, but then Pittman, Beamer, how the heck are they in a bowl game? We did not see that coming. The turnaround at Arkansas has been incredible. It's been a two-year process, but this year to have all three of their trophies, you know, of the trophy games for the first time ever. And Heupel, like, who are you taking out? You don't even have Stoops in the top five, and he's done a phenomenal job. And I know the three-game losing streak hurt, but no, I mean, you're exactly right. Like, Mike Leach has done a great job. These are, you know, these are coaches that have come in to programs. With, it is not easy, man. Like it is not easy to be able to turn around a program in this in this league, but they've been able to do it for the most part, and they deserve incredible amounts of credit for it.
0: We we just yada yada yadda a nine win Kentucky team.
3: Yeah, I know, like that, I know. That's what we just did. How ridiculous, right? How ridiculous is that? It's a nine win team who just beat the brakes off of Louisville, which is Louisville had been playing pretty well. They made a a dynamite quarterback look average. Will Levis was the dynamite quarterback that night. I mean, this is like what he's been able to do. And again, like making the staff changes that he's made, changing the way the offense looks, you know, utilizing a transfer quarterback, but still keeping the run game. Like he has elements that he's not going to let go of, but he's made all the right tweaks and adjustments that have allowed this to be a nine-win Kentucky team. Which
0: leads us to a question why would a person at a premier dominant program that has been consistently competing for national championships for the better part of two decades that's about to put that little SEC logo on his chest leave for USC? Now, first of all, what is your family like when this happens? What are your family and friends like when this happens?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you're not, you know, fortunately we turned the little dinger off on my computer here when my texts are (laughs) coming in. So my phone battery has consistently been at about 3% because of family and friends and and what this has done to Sooner Nation, right? Um, Everybody's mad, Braden. Everybody thinks Lincoln handled this thing disgustingly in in a terrible way. Every bit of evidence is there that he's been recruiting for USC for two to two and a half months, that he had this job in mind uh, when he could have been preparing for, oh, I don't know, Baylor, uh, Oklahoma State, You know, I understand, we all understand coaches leave. If he feels that USC was the right job for him, good, go get it. That's great. But the way that he's handled this program, Oklahoma's program in the last month to two months of kind of being absent in many ways, and certainly not recruiting for that program uh, is disgusting. He works for the best athletic director in all of athletic college athletics and Joe to He was handpicked by an Oklahoma legend in Bob Stoops and every bit of evidence that I've gained and, and all the, news and information that I've gained from talking to people in Oklahoma, players in and around that program, former players is that this has been handled in a really, really disgusting, disgraceful way by Lincoln. And and that's a problem. And that's a real problem. Uh, I think if Oklahoma is not careful and if Josie doesn't make the perfect hire who can stop this kind of free fall of decommitments and questions about the program, we're going to come into this league in two, three, four years, whatever it is, and immediately start in the middle of the pack. And that's a concern. And that's a purgatory that is difficult to get out of. Um, so anger, frustration, uh, speculation on who's next. I mean, they've been fun conversations that I've been having, but they've kind of been wrapped in a lot of anger.
0: Well, and if you're going to trust a guy though, I suppose, uh you, you got the right guy to trust in charge. So if you're yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna let somebody, hit,
3: he's hit home runs, yeah. Braden, on every single hire. Maybe outside of the sport of baseball, they've all been phenomenal hires, and and that certainly is a reason to to be optimistic.
0: Yeah. Well, Ohio State is recession proof in football, and other than like maybe one guy in the '90s, Oklahoma has largely been recession proof for like the better yeah. part of 75 years. So I think they're going to be okay. It's just fascinating mentally because, like you said, if USC is the right job for you and you want the glitz and glam and the LA and the West Coast and all that stuff makes perfect sense. It's a premier job. It's, it's, it's all gravy, but the, the Oklahoma is joining the sec for a reason. <laughs>
3: yeah, and, 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 and optically it would, you would stand to believe Lincoln wanted no part of it. Like that's the other, like, again, optics are optics. Here, here's what, here's the checklist of what Oklahoma people are seeing and hearing and now firmly believing he's been recruiting for Southern Cal and has had this job in mind for two months. Check. Uh, he's, his commitment to Oklahoma and the players that are there now has is questionable check. Um, he's scared to death of the sec check. I mean, these are things that a lot of us firmly believe. And that's, that's a shame. If the, but you know what, on the same time, I, I just had like three of my really good buddies are former players there that I've been talking to over the last couple of days. And they're in the media in the state of Oklahoma now. And every one of them has said, you know what, if the dude didn't want to be a part of the sec, good riddance. See you later. We'll find somebody who does. And, That's a great, that's a great mentality.
0: It's also because it takes a certain type of person to succeed at the top, top, top altitude levels in the sec. Dan Mullen, just ask him. Dari, always a pleasure, man. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Enjoy this weekend. We'll be watching. It's going to be a ton of fun. Hopefully it's a great game and uh, thank you for giving us some time. We appreciate it.
3: Anytime, Brayden. It's always good, man.
0: That was Dari very spicy Dari from the SEC Network and ESPN, of course, uh, speaking very honestly and openly about how Lincoln Riley, his behavior was disgusting leaving Oklahoma. I That's interesting to me. It's far more interesting what they're going to do. Uh, and obviously he's with us, Aaron. He thinks, you know, there's no way that that Alabama can beat Georgia this weekend. So there, there you go. Um, good Thanksgiving. Good Thanksgiving weekend. How, how was your yeah. Thanksgiving weekend?
2: It was pretty chill we did something here in nashville on wednesday with my mom's family and we ate italian just because it seemed like a good change of pace well we ate regular food on thursday when we went uh-huh. out to memphis okay and then i had a wedding on saturday
0: that's a strange a time, weird to time to have a, time wedding. a wedding, right i know not only but. a saturday in the fall but also thanksgiving saturday that's awesome.
2: yeah and i d- we drove up to the venue and i saw through the window everyone in the groomsman suite was just gathered around the tv i was like was it- So you can't have weddings during football season.
0: Also, one of the greatest days of college football ever.
2: I know. It was really tough. I was like. Ever. Pulled my mirror into the living room and was like trying to put on makeup while I was watching football. It was like, yeah, well, you got to do what you got to do.
0: Stuffing or dressing? Because stuffing is the best part of Thanksgiving, especially my mom's stuffing. And it has to be in the bird for it to be stuffing.
2: That's why we call it dressing.
0: I don't, I, yeah. And I don't understand why people continue to call things that aren't in the bird stuffing that is called dressing. And generally is not as good in my opinion.
2: <laughs> I don't like meat and drinks like bacon and bloody Marys. I don't like meat and drinks, chicken and bloody Marys. Meat I also don't love drinks. the idea. I don't <laughs> like meat and drinks at all. You can't quote me on that.
0: No, I think that's fair. I can't even think of other than the bacon and a bloody Mary. I'm not sure chicken, I can think of a drink that like, has a meat in it though.
2: with the, the um that there's a restaurant here in town, I can't even remember the name of it. It does these not big Bloody Jasper's. Marys. Yeah, no, well, uh, other reasons not to mention it. And they have like a whole chicken, like a rotisserie chicken in a gigantic Bloody Mary. It's the nastiest oh, that's weird. thing. I can't do it. Anyways, that's all that to say. I have, uh, but, say, but, I have but, a similar sentiment to like pulling a food out of a bird.
0: Well, there is an art to, you have to have the right temperature of the stuffing. So if you, you have to like prepare it like days before and then bring it down to a certain temperature so that you protect from cooking like the, like the raw meat of the bird. So like you have to have, they have to come up to temperature at the same it's time. So that when they're worried
2: about eating anything raw, it's just me pulling something oh. out of, Oh my
0: God. No, that's the best part. It, it It's all juicy. I just and- don't love oh, Turkey. I
2: love- I, there I said it.
0: That's okay america
2: i don't like ham either and i really don't like chicken
0: what animals do you like,
2: tequila? I, like ste- I like steak and i've had tequila in a long time actually i like steak and fish
0: That's well it. you can get very good steak and lots of fish where
2: jaspers follow us to the land of the living
0: <laughs> where, your, <laughs> where your honeypot will be full uh go to jaspers everybody of course proud sponsor of fringe element um they have free parking a great bar a great happy a hour, really good menu a really really good menu and it's a great place to watch games football college pro hockey games you know soccer season's over but whatever like lots of lots of really good sporting events still going on and jasper's has great happy hours great place to watch the game great menu free parking all that great stuff so please go to jasper's for Dari Noka. Special thanks to Stephen Godfrey and to you, Aaron Dugan. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. Share the show. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network.
2: Later.